0: to thank Dr. Reggie for giving me the opportunity to be here today in his absence. I am so excited about what's happening at Temple Baptist Church. How about you? Amen. Not only through our pastor but our staff. These are exciting days at our church and we need to prayerfully support them and I'm excited about the new staff member. They'll be coming in a few weeks. What a great time of the year with our emphasis on missions. So I got to thinking as Reggie made contact with me several months ago about what I was going to share with you. And I kept thinking, okay, it's Thanksgiving, it's Thanksgiving, it's supposed to be a thankful service, but all services are supposed to be thankful services. And over the last few weeks, God kind of directed me in another direction, because, and, and it all fits together. And I'm entitled to the message I want to share with you this morning, Relational Christianity, because you see so many of you that are here today, others that have gone before you, invested in me And through building of relationships, you not only pointed me toward Jesus Christ, you lived it out before me. And I think that's what I'm most thankful for today, is that I, because of you and others who have gone before you, am a born-again believer, a Christian today, because of the examples that were set before me. I want to say, though, as we begin this morning, and we're going to focus on several verses, primarily Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and, and following, but I, I want to thank you on behalf of Rolling Hills, uh, your support of the ministry. I, I was sitting down this week with some people, and I, I said, I've been there 27 years. That makes y'all old. <laughs> 27 years. I'm humbled at, at what God's doing. I'm excited that He's allowed us to continued our, our ministry through our recreational ministries in the state park, that he has allowed us this year to send our first group internationally to work with an orphanage in Belize that we're now partnering with on a, on a monthly basis. I'm excited that he has expanded our compassion ministries, and hardly a day goes by that we're not um, trying to assist someone or make a difference in someone's life. And The thrift stores, uh, they kind of speak for themselves. I'm excited God's allowing us the opportunity to minister through them. And the fact that by this time next year, we'll open our fourth facility. You be in prayer for us as we uh, go forward in a partnership with the Louisiana Baptist Children's Home to offer educational programs for women and job service opportunities. We'll be opening a, a facility in the fall of 2017 over on DeSeard in Monroe, our fourth location. And then there's disaster relief. My, what a year. To say that it's been an unusual year would, would be an understatement. The flooding in the spring stretched us to the limit, or so we thought. And as we looked at, at, at what was taking place, and the North American Mission Board brought their instant command and said it right here in Ruston as we ministered throughout our state, and volunteers came from throughout Louisiana and 30 other state conventions, and that 79-plus day operation, we, we worked all over our state. Assessors and chaplains and feeding volunteers, mud-out volunteers, and, and the list goes on and on. Little did we realize at that time the only part of the state that didn't flood in the spring would experience rainfall of epic proportions in August. An unprecedented flooding took place and it's estimated that possibly 155,000 homes were affected and again, Baptists from across Louisiana and our nation responded and resources began and still are pouring into our state to make a difference and all of our lives have been affected. But because of you and people like you and your generosity, Rolling Hills was able to distribute $49,000 in gift cards to victims of the flood. And time and time again, people rolled up their sleeves and went to work, some weary still from the spring, but they would go back to South Louisiana over and over again. And even now, Rolling Hill still has equipment in South Louisiana, and we're still funneling resources to those in need. Just this week, we were able, through a program offered now by Louisiana Baptist called Operation Homecoming, to try to assist pastors and ministers to get back in their home, we formed a partnership with a pastor there at a small church in South Louisiana. Why am I telling you all this? Because you as a church have played such a vital role in missions throughout the year, but you're playing a vital role in ministry and missions within our own state right now because you're leading by example. Not only are you giving, you are going. And to date, over 200 people in South Louisiana since August have received Christ as Lord and Savior because of your efforts. When you woke up this morning, did you and I really anticipate that we would change our world? We live in a world that's moving so fast and and, and stuff is coming at us from all directions that often we can't even grasp what's going on. So in the back of our mind, did we even think this morning that we might have some impact on our world, that we would make a difference in our world? Well, I will share with you this morning that we make a difference in our world every day that we live. And as we make a difference, that difference is either going to be positive or negative, but we need to realize within our lives that even small acts of kindness can have eternal consequences invested in the lives of people. There are so many professions out there today that have negative reputations. And and the mere mention of some of them would bring an instant negative picture to our mind. I could get in trouble here. I'll just use one. If I say the word this morning telemarketer, what comes to your mind? (laughs) Now let me use another one. What comes to your mind when I say the word evangelist? I would hope that it would not be negative. I hope that that would bring a positive image to your mind of someone that is committed to reaching the lost, of someone that's outgoing, of someone that's articulate, of someone that's concerned for others. This morning, if I mentioned the name Billy Graham, a positive image comes to all of our minds. But do you also realize that Even the mentioning of Billy Graham, there can also be a problem here or an obstacle might be a better way to think of it because all of a sudden we think to ourselves, I can never be a Billy Graham. I'll agree with that. I don't know if many people could. But as we look at this, we need to understand that God's not necessarily calling us to be a Billy Graham. Every day, our path intersects with the lives of people that may not be able to relate to Billy Graham, but they can relate to you and me. And that's why God gifts us and calls us and equips us to truly invest in our world and make a difference. I call it our circle of influence. We may not this morning see ourselves as a Billy Graham type evangelist, but God has placed every one of us in a unique position to share his message with a lost world. We all know that God has a heart for the lost. All of us know that God wants to be in a relationship with his children, that he seeks those who are lost. And yet, I think all of us, if we were honest with ourselves or most of us would say, I still have difficulty sharing my faith, we could say, with our family, with our friends, with our coworkers, and and yes, possibly even strangers. But I want you to understand something this morning with me. You and I need to understand that we can be effective in reaching people and we don't have to be something that we're not. We can be ourselves. You and I can be just who God made us. When God made you and me, he knew what he was doing. When he gave you your giftedness, when he gave you your personality, that's what he wanted you and I to have. We need to realize then that God wants us to use what he has given each one of us individually and then corporately as the body of Christ to impact our world. So how do we do that? I can think of no better example than one of our disaster relief chaplains, and if I mentioned his name, the vast majority of you would know him, who went over and over and over again to South Louisiana. And during one of those trips, he kept a journal that he brought back and let me read. Nineteen pages, single-spaced, of the lives of people that he came in contact with on one street in a neighborhood near Baton Rouge, a neighborhood much like maybe the one you live in. And as he walked during that week up and down that street, he invested himself in the lives of people. And as I read his notes, the words became alive. As I read about people's hurt and despair and confusion and, yes, even their joy in the midst of total devastation. I read of uh, of a, a man who told him, well, I might have it bad, but I don't have it as bad as Job. Or a lady that he found sleeping on an air mattress on top of her furniture or another home, one of the few that wasn't damaged on the street. And and when he visited that home, he found four families that were living in that one home because the other three had lost their home on the street. Of families that had very little possibly in common before now and all of the life events they brought to the table. But now they had one thing in common, and that was that they had lost because of the great flood of South Louisiana in 2016 their determination came through in his words. And as I read that journal, God touched my life, and the thing that stood out over and over and over again was, even in the short time that he was there, he was building relationships. I was headed to one of the many Baptist meetings that we have in the fall. We've had so many meetings over recent weeks, it's just meetings on top of meetings. And as that word stuck in my mind, relationships, I was listening to a sports radio show uh, as I was traveling, and I heard the guy one afternoon say, life is all about relationships. I help those who help me. And it struck me while that is not wrong, I think we as a body of believers can carry it even further. Life is about relationships, but we're called on to help everyone no matter whether they've helped us or not. So we can call it our circle of influence or we can call it relational Christianity. Can I ask you a question as as I ask myself today? Because God's really laid this on my heart. How much do you know about your neighbor down the street? How much do you know about the worker in the office next to you? Teachers, how much do you know about the person in the classroom down the hallway from you? Students, how much do you know about the person sitting across the aisle from you in class? Are we building the relationships that will point people toward Jesus Christ? We must be genuine as we go and the love that we share with this world must flow through us. It's Jesus' love flowing through us to those who desperately need it. We've heard it over and over again that we are the only Bible that some people might read and that is so true. And so when they read our lives, may they see the love of God lived out through us. I think of that passage of Scripture in John thirteen thirty five. By this all men will know you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. But then our, the passage that I kept being drawn to is found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 and following. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. What does he say? Let your light so shine in such a way that men will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You and I should not have to change who we are. To reach people for Christ, you and I need to realize as we go about our daily walk that God will bring into our circle of influence those who need to see, feel, and experience His love. And again, there's no need for us to try to be something we're not. That's what makes relational Christianity so, it's just not intimidating. And I say that because all we're called to do is reflect God's love. It's not about us. It's about Him. All we're doing is displaying the gifts that He's given to us as seen through the uniqueness of the lens of our lives. Again, I come back. People will see through us very quickly if we're not genuine. We just need to be ourselves. And, and when we are ourselves, oftentimes that will put people at ease. Rather than this holiday season being a stressful time for us as we gather with family or friends or coworkers and there's so much going on and the stresses of life, may we see it as opportunities to share God's love with those who need it. We should so live our lives and let our light so reflect his love that people will ask us, what is different with you? Why are you like you are? The drawing power, as I'm sharing with you then, is not in us. It is him. And the uniqueness is is that none of us are alike. In our giftedness, in our personalities... I mean, if you look at the New Testament, looking at God's Word, we realize that Peter was different from Paul. Matthew was different from John. There's no two preachers that are alike. There's no two Sunday school teachers that are alike. We're all different, uniquely made, and God will use us, bringing us together to impact our world. I want you for just a moment to stop and, back and think back on, on your salvation experience. I would be safe to assume that the majority of us that are here today, that that experience was not by some impersonal means. More than likely, your salvation experience can be tied to exactly what I'm talking about, relational Christianity. How many of you are here today because of a significant relationship in your life that pointed you toward Jesus? Of a father, a mother, a grandparent, a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, a family member, a friend, a teacher, a preacher. It was through the relationships that surrounded you and they're investing in your and my life that pointed us toward Jesus Christ. We must be willing then to tell people what God has done in our lives through Jesus. I think of what Paul wrote in in Romans chapter 10 and I realize it says about a preacher, but in a way, aren't we all preachers? How then can they call on Him in whom they've not believed? How can they believe in Him in whom, whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without somebody telling them or without a preacher? Now, what happens oftentimes is is we we try and we get discouraged. In your life today, there might be somebody that you've tried to live it in front of them for years and, and it's just like nothing has happened. You know what I would tell you? Just keep living it. Allow God to work. Don't give up. Continue to pray. Don't get discouraged. Oftentimes, for those to come to Jesus, it's a process. And we've got to be patient. And believe me, I think we live in an impatient society. We've got to realize that oftentimes God doesn't just use one person to bring someone to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's a combination of different people investing in someone's life, of God putting just the right people at just the right time to move that person toward Him. That is why it is so important that we take advantage of those who come within our circle of influence to continue the process of sharing God's love. You know what should really excite us today is that God's allowed us to be a part of the process. He's allowed us to be a part of the process. But it all comes back to where we started this morning. It's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. With those around us, with those that we might just briefly come in contact with at the store or the office or the or wherever it might be, of letting our light shine before them so that they can see God through us and give glory to the Father. Long before Jesus stepped into the pages of the world and history in the New Testament, Isaiah prophesied what would eventually happen through him and I think even through the church In Isaiah chapter 60, beginning in verse 1, when he said, Arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you, and nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Folks, we are the light in a darkened world. We are that lighthouse that gives direction to those who are lost in the darkness. We are the ones to point people toward the light of Jesus Christ. We are the ones to help people on their road to salvation. But we are not light any more than the moon has light without the sun or a light bulb has or produces light without being plugged into a power source. You know, if we had time this morning in the passage, we could look further where Matthew talks about our being salt. I wish we had time. But in this passage, he tells us that we are to be salt and light witnesses, and both of us know that, that those act differently. And we need to realize that. But as salt tonight witnesses, he's calling us to, to fill a darkened world. And we need to understand the difference between them. As salt were to be the seasoning, salt, uh, uh, you, you'll agree, it works silently, doesn't it? Oftentimes you don't see it, but you taste it. And so we can work that way in our world. You might not see us, but we're seasoning the world for Jesus so that it has flavor. Salt witnessing is exhibited through our lives, lived out through the gifts of the Spirit on a daily basis so that others' lives will be impacted. On the other hand, light that we're talking about here this morning, light is different. It's visible. It's seen. It works openly. But whether it's salt or light, what I don't want us to miss is, is that we're called to be witnesses. And as we build the relationships that he's called us to do, build, lives will be changed. So much so that we truly can make a difference. You know, that's one of the things that through the years, and I've lost count of how many disaster responses I've had the opportunity to be on. I quit counting at 40-something. And every disaster is unique. But one thing that doesn't change, whether it's an ice storm or a flood or a tornado or a hurricane or or whatever it might be, is, is when you get out there and you walk into the lives of hurting people, they say, why are you here? And when they find out that you have come as a volunteer and you're not being paid, they don't understand. Why? And it gives you a wonderful opportunity to share with them that you're there because God loves them and God saved you and you want them to experience that same love. But you might not have the opportunity to work walk into a disaster site, but I want to tell you, you don't have to look very far to realize our world is a disaster. And God's calling us to walk into that world and to live lives so pointed toward Jesus that people will look at us and say, why are you like you are? And it gives you the perfect opportunity to share Jesus Christ. People need to see the light of Jesus in our lives. As we reflect that light, God's Word tells us that the glory will go to Him. I think of that passage of Scripture and it describes who we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said light shall shine out of the darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Probably one of the best examples that I could share with you and I today would be something we use on a daily basis. I would pretty well assume that most of us this morning used a mirror when we were getting ready. If some of you didn't, it might be obvious. <laughs> but most of us stood within a, in front of a mirror this morning. We might not have been awake, but we stood there. Not a day goes by that we don't use a mirror in our life. Mirrors are an important part. But you know, when you look in that mirror, we need to be reminded that mirror is just reflecting an image back to us. Isn't that what we're called to do as believers and followers of Jesus Christ? That we're to be mirrors that reflect His light? I remember as a kid of trying to get a mirror and going out on a sunny day and trying to reflect the sunlight in a mirror to start a fire or something. I don't quite know there. Be careful. Don't do that at home. But you know, that mirror had to be in just the right position in just the right place to reflect the light of the sun. And so it is with our lives. We must so position our lives in just the right place to reflect the sun who is Jesus Christ. Life is about relationships. Too many times we don't overlook people. We don't overlook situations. We're just so busy in our own lives that we're unaware of what's going on around us. And if we're not careful, we will miss the opportunity to transform another one's life and at the same time enrich our own We must be willing not only to see, we must be willing to do. We've got to to avoid being consumed by our own little world and open up to all the possibilities that God has for us so that we can be used by Him to bring people from despair to hope. Lucy Swindoll, in an article entitled Heart to Heart, in today's Christian woman talks about an example of a friend and what he had experienced. I don't know if you, this has never happened to me, but she writes that this this friend of hers was on an elevator. There were seven of them on this elevator and, and they experienced a power failure and all seven of them were trapped on this elevator. And as soon as the elevator lurched to a stop and in complete darkness... The friend shared with her that everybody began talking at once. Everyone was filled with fear, and everyone, I mean, they didn't know one another. You know how it is when you get on the elevator. You look toward the front, and you don't even look behind you or to the side. They didn't, they didn't have any relationships with one another. And as they were on that elevator filled with fear, all of a sudden, her friend remembered that he had a flashlight, a little flashlight in his pocket. And he reached in his pocket, and he turned on the flashlight. And all of a sudden, that light, as small as it was, penetrated the darkness of the elevator. And the fear was dissipated. And over the next 45 minutes, with the light of that little flashlight penetrating the darkness, this friend went on to tell her that they built relationships They told jokes, they laughed, they even sang. That's getting to know one another. But you know, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 tells us as born-again believers in Jesus Christ that we're flashlights. I love this portion of the verse. It says, for you were formerly in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord Now walk as children of the light. Just as a flashlight draws power from its batteries, we're to draw our power from Jesus Christ. As light penetrating the darkness, we will dispel fear. We will bring relief. We will give hope. And you know what? We don't have to even be big to be effective. We've just got to be on. We've just got to be on. Will you bow with me in prayer? Father, as we come to a time of invitation this morning, I would pray that all of us during this season of the year, as we approach Thanksgiving and then Christmas, would realize the opportunities that will be before us over the coming weeks. But, Father, it shouldn't just be during the holiday seasons. It should be every day of our lives that we let our light shine to penetrate a darkened world that we bring glory to our Father who's in heaven. Father, I pray that we will look within our circle of influence, that we will build relationships with those, some that we might not, we might not even know them very well, down the hall in a, in a school, in an office, down the hall at work, a neighbor that lives down the street. But Father, as we build relationships and we step into their lives, Father, that we do so out of the genuineness of the love that you have shown to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, that that love flow through us to touch their lives. May we be like that little flashlight that penetrated the darkness in that elevator. Father, may we all leave here today saying whatever it takes... I want to be on. I want to make a difference. First, in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Dale will be down front if there's a decision that you need to make. I would encourage all of us to spend time in prayer as we stand in reflection. Let God bring to your mind those that you need to build relationships with, those that need to experience the love of Christ. Will you stand with me as we sing?